This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your grief flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here are your hosts, Kathy Kay and Tommy. Hey, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. Kathy Kay, I think is my name on the show. I don't know. I'm just as anonymous as my callers. <laughs> um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm going to do my intro, my thing that I do that I hate to do. If you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me at either um, Cartoon Therapy, at Cartoon Therapy, or at Strict Anonymous. Uh, subscribe to my podcast. If you're a listener and you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. You get the episodes a lot sooner if you subscribe. And also write me a review. Somebody wrote me a review last time, which was really great. I always love reviews. Um, you could also buy my book. The name of the, my book is The Cartoon Misadventures of a Total Trainwreck. And you could find that on Amazon.com. It's an Amazon Kindle ebook. People have been buying it. Nobody's really wrote in and told me what they think. So maybe people buy it and they don't read it. Or maybe it's other people buying my book. I don't know because I don't really promote my book anywhere else. It's just on 
Amazon. And so I'm assuming it's listeners of my show that are buying it. Um, if you actually read it, if you buy it and read it and you have an opinion, either write a review on Amazon if you love it or write it to me and send it to me at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. I also love for my listeners to give me my two cents, to give me their two cents of uh, your their opinions about my show or, you know, whatever. Um, I have a couple guys that write in all the time and I love it when they do, whether it's good or bad. You know, some times they insult me, like I've gotten some emails. I have this one guy that I don't think that he sets out to insult me, but he definitely insults me a lot. He's also keeping tabs on how many guys I fucked like he'll, he he. <laughs> through my podcast like after I had that doctor guy episode doctor guy is a total womanizer if you haven't listened to that episode you should listen to it because it's funny um but after that episode he he emailed me and was like you know what Kathy like that's the third guy you banged you're gonna start looking like a whore or some shit like that and I was like well, first of all how do you count three? Second of all haven't I talked a million times in my podcast about the fact that I've banged tons of guys <laughs> I mean, uh, three is not even close to the number. So I don't know why that's a secret. Um, but so I even like, but my whole point of that is that I even like when people write me right in and critique me in a negative way, because I think it's funny. And I just like to know that people are listening. And I like to know what they think. Um, today, I have a very, I've taped a lot of podcasts. And I was trying to figure out which podcast I was going to air today. I've already taped everything. Um, but I taped a, a really interesting episode with a friend of mine who's an artist. Um, and I was just going to hang out with him for the day and I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to bring my podcast equipment because he's a really fascinating guy and he's really super smart and he talks a lot and he's interesting and odd. And I thought I'll try and get an episode or a podcast out of it. I'll bring my equipment. And we wound up talking. We wound up having like an hour conversation about really fascinating stuff. We talk about art. We talk about selling out. We talk about commitment issues. We talk about, what else do we talk about? We talk about failure. We talk about life. We talk about Bob Dylan. We talk about it all. He, well, he talks about Bob Dylan. We talk about it all. And it actually is really interesting. Um, he's an interesting guy. Uh, and the topics that we cover, like one thing just leads to another. And it's interesting. And I just thought like, you know, I'm going to post that one today. Because the other ones that I already have taped are very sex oriented. And I know that a lot of you guys like that kind of stuff. But I like to throw in different things every now and then. Um, so I'm going to air that one today. His name is Sebastian. His fake name is Sebastian. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have him on the call. If you want to be on the show, because I love to do other things, like I said, it's not just guys from Craigslist that I want to talk to. I like to talk to anybody that has a problem or anybody that's interesting. Like my friend today, it's like, we're not really talking about his problem. We're talking about his art and all the creative stuff that he does. And I, think it's interesting so if you're that type of person or you have a problem and you want to be on the show email me at strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com and i'll have you on um and that's that that's my intro i hate doing these intros but i think this one was okay right i don't know <laughs> anyway stay tuned i'll be right back on with sebastian do you have a story lifestyle or situation you can't talk about to anyone to anyone or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly anonymous. Um, today I'm doing something, I'm taping something at my friend's house actually. I'm doing a totally different thing. Uh, not my typical structure, but I figured it'd be interesting. I might not even air it if you're boring. But um, I have a friend of mine here, someone I grew up with. 
Uh, he doesn't want to say his real name, which we're going to talk about because it's like ridiculous. I mean, I'm not going to out his real name, but I think the reason that he doesn't want to put his real name on is ridiculous. Um, and that's just uh, we'll get into that eventually. So we're going to call him Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian's a guy I grew up with uh, in Jersey. That's where we grew up. And uh, he's an amazing artist. He's also a musician. He's also a writer. He's a lot of different things. And he's also very opinionated and really brilliant and odd. So I figured I'd have him on my show and we'd talk. He knows a lot about me. And we were trying to figure out, oh, what are we going to talk about? And he's like, let's just talk about like how crazy you were when you were younger or whatever. And I was like, okay, we could talk about that because I know that my listeners are always writing in and they want to know stuff about me. But I mean, I'm sure that will get into other things. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> and this is the deal. Like Sebastian has a band and he's playing at a big venue soon and he doesn't want to promote that. And I'm like, why don't you? And he's like, I just don't want to position myself on a podcast. And I'm like, but everyone has podcasts nowadays. He's like, exactly. That's why I don't want to do it. He's like one of those artistic people who don't want to be famous and are very anti anything good. Resisting success. Yeah, exactly. And you think that that makes you, do you think that that, like, and maybe we'll just talk about this because I think it's an interesting thing because there's a lot of creative people like you. Do you think that that makes you, like, do you look at people or people that are creative, right, that are, are looking for success and that have that drive as, like, beneath you or as, like, shallow or, like, whatever? I, I, th I think a creative person shouldn't have the other side of themselves as a promotional tool, something that uh, obviously ends in commerce all the time. If, it, if it's not commercial, then what is it? If, you, if you're not on a podcast, then who are you? If you're not on Facebook, then who are you? That sort of thing. And I, I just believe still that, that a creative world is a, is a sacred place where uh, you know, a true artist would dwell. And once their mind sort of wanders off into like, look at me, look what I can do, it sort of takes on a different role. Right, so that's why you still live with your parents and you're like almost 50. Well, I'm almost 50, it's true. But this is the interesting thing about Sebastian, and this is what I find so fascinating. If, you, if you're if you like, oh, he's almost 50 and he still lives at home with his parents, you'd be like, oh, that like that's so like not cool. But if you know the fact that he's lived in Paris and he's had shows there and he's lived around the world and he's lived in the city, yet he winds up back at his parents, it's like it creates this fascinating sort of story of who you are and what you buy into and what you don't, which makes you a very complicated Well, if person. you want to talk about living with your parents, which I find funny that you would bring that up once again, because what does that have to do with artistic creativity? No, nothing, because you're, no, you're talking about selling out. I think that you, like, there's, there's a lot of creative people that think that people that actually, like, promote themselves and do that stuff are, like, selling out. Yet, I don't think... I don't think that they are. I think that it's not. I think that people that are creative and also business oriented or have that drive, they just have that other part of them. It's not like they sort of are giving up their creativity to have that. They have that. And I think that's the difference between the really successful people and not. They're not just creative, but they also have that workaholic business they're side split, of them. They're split in two. They're split in two. And that's something that I'm not willing to do yet because I'm still creative in four fields, four mediums. That's music painting sculpture decorative arts i mean i'm just all over the place and it's very difficult to have a fifth persona which is one that promotes all of those things i've been told many times to do this and to go in different avenues but i sort of what we started to talk about before at the cafe was to sort of let things come to you your um yeah keep it up to your mouth it sounds you. better okay. you can hear the difference Sorry. see how yeah. much better that sounds singers should you're know you're even not even talking normally right now why not i don't you don't, you're not talking like yourself. You're like putting on a, a little bit of a persona because you're on the show. Just be yourself. This is the deal, though. You're you're amazing at all of those things. That's what I think. You're just like so creative. It almost makes you like 
um, your own worst enemy because you're so complicated because you're not just like, if you were just an amazing painter, that would be one thing maybe you could focus on, but you're also like an amazing artist, a, a writer, and you're like great at music and you have all these different things and you really are talented. Thank you. But I don't think I'm putting on a different persona. Yes, you are, dude. Your voice is not even looking at your girlfriend. Her girlfriend's here right now and she <sighs> shook her head yes. Okay, you are putting on a different persona. You're I'm not just being yourself. To, I'm trying to Loosen speak up, slow dude. and think clearly. That's why. Just be I, yourself. Well, I am you don't being need myself. To think, you're not, first of all, okay, you don't need to think clearly. You just need to, like, if, uh, I watch a lot of Judge Judy. And when she says, like, if you don't, if you just tell the truth, you don't have to, like, think about it. But I am so telling no the truth. Okay, just don't be, con there's no being contrived. You don't have to be contrived or mm. thought out. Just, you know, we could just riff. Like, we're just riffing on here. And but there's why, no do I, why do I find you the contrived one? <laughs> I'm never contrived. You just said before, like, I've been the same person all my life. How am I contrived? I mean, you I seem need to like be you're changing now because maybe you think you have a podcast and you have a billion listeners. No, 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 you're no. You're trying to I act the role of the podcast. No, no, no. Person. I'm the host, so I have to guide it. So, you're yes, I do have a, a more. I have to be a little bit more. But I'm your guest, so I'm trying to act like a guest. And I'm trying to speak clearly and think clearly. That's all. I'm not acting like somebody else. This is the deal. Me and Sebastian, uh, and I was saying this before because I met him and his girlfriend for brunch, that uh, I don't get along with him sometimes on a certain level because I could hurt his feelings because he ha you happen to be very sensitive. So some I'm hurting your feelings now and you're going to start lashing out on me? No. Okay. I wasn't going to lash out on you. Okay, good. Okay. No, let's get back to the whole thing. I mean, I didn't think we were going to talk about... I mean, I think you're hugely, like, talented. Like, more so than any of my friends that are artists. Like, for sure. Your shit is, like, amazing. You've had shows in Paris, right? Like, you've had your own gallery showings, right? Two years in Paris. Yeah, and you did, like, really well. And just... I, I wish you would promote yourself. I mean, we could get into that whole thing. I just think that there's people like you, and then there's people that aren't like you. And people like you think that you're selling out if you were promoting yourself and making money and trying to be famous. But I don't think that that's a bad thing. I just don't know. The world today, it just seems like it's not really, I feel like I'm uh, out of time, with out of step with the world today. You know what I mean? I, maybe I live in the past. Maybe you could say before it's time, after it's time. But I don't feel like a part of the current famous people of the world. I said it before. I'd be slightly embarrassed if I was one of those to quote Prince, one of those motherfuckers, you know, like <laughs> when he didn't go to, was it, what was it, Live Aid? Well, your mic on your mouth. I'm trying to remember Sorry, what yeah. it was. Uh, I think it was Live Aid, you know, just Prince was going to be one with Michael Jackson and Boy George and all that stuff. And he just sort of blew it off and everyone came down on him pretty hard. They were like, well, you know, what the hell? This is for a good cause. F feed the world, you know. And he said he didn't really want to be part of those people. And I, I sort of relate to that. He, he's his own person, his own individual artist. And he mm -hmm. didn't want to be, oh, Prince, you are an artist just like these people, just like Michael Jackson, just like Boy George and Daryl Hall. But he is hugely famous, though. You can't take that away from him. No, I wouldn't. No. And uh, you think that that bothers him? Like I, like no, I just mean I relate to the statement and, and his decision. And right. I don't know why I brought that up, but it's sort of the only thing I can touch tangibly with what how I relate to the art and music of today 2015 I just don't fit into it you know and that's it so, I do, so I'm not gonna try right but as an artist forget about like getting yourself out there to millions of people to make money is one thing but isn't the sort like don't you want to sort of have more people experience yes. your art in ways and so if you have to get famous to do that like but more people will be touched by your stuff like isn't that important to you 
It is in a way, yeah. I, I would like to get things out there for people to see, and I try in my own way to, you know, booking theaters on my own because in New York here the music scene's difficult. There's a you you open up the Village Voice and there's about you know 50 bands playing at the same place in one night and the, the tiniest little lettering you could barely read the names and the mm -hmm. names barely make sense and it just seems like there's no nothing to touch anymore nothing real nothing that you'd want to go you really blend in it's almost like a phone book you know right. you look in the phone book and you're just one of the names and I, I don't know what I'm really I'm not really trying to be like in in the biggest lights at the, the Apollo Theater that's not what I mean but uh, I do feel like my art and my music has a certain identity a certain spirit to it and I don't want to def defame it what's the word I don't I, I don't want to uh demean it yeah uh, you demean know, it is the right word by uh by just throwing it in there in an attempt or to to gain popularity where you know i more look at myself as someone like a van gogh personality someone who sort of uh, you know s worked and struggled through experiences to try to create a great body of work which won't be judged until the final masterpiece is f complete at the end of someone's life Right. I remember, you know, and this is why I was motivated to write my book and put it out there by uh, there's a guy, Norman Vincent Peale. I call him MVP. Like someone once re recommended his book to me. You, you can if you think you can some shit like that. I don't know. It was a self-helpy book, which I love. And this book like literally changed my life. And I remember walking down the street thinking like this dude is dead and he literally is changing my life. Mm -hmm. Like this man has like changed my life and he's not even alive. Mm -hmm. And that is like the most powerful thing. And I think as an artist, if you're creating something, that's what you want to do. You want to, you know, when you leave that mark or that book or, or that painting or that, you know, music, you know, there are songs that, you know, we were talking about Chris Cornell. He's one of my favorites, yes. like that I will listen to that were that helped me get through times, you know, and that. And so to me, it's so powerful at any moment to know that somebody your thing that you created could be doing that for somebody else, whether you're here or not. Right. And isn't exactly. that the whole purpose? Exactly. And the work itself, you know, the whether you're standing before one of the paintings, seeing the sculpture in the right light, listening to a tune late at night with the headphones on, you know, uh, these are the things that really uh, change our lives and, and bring us to another place and show us the light or maybe uh, share in the darkness, however you want to say. But uh, I, you just sort of keep your name clean, keep yourself clean during your lifetime and not, you know, everything you do is sort of, these days, you know, everything you do is documented, you know, every, every quote you you say every you know, post that you post, right? This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com but so is that why you try to stay out of it I so do. you're not i do so I nothing is i mean you literally in your parents house in this little town in this little place that i'm not gonna out you out like you have like the most amazing artwork i've ever seen in like your garage it's like crazy to me because i've been there and i see this your body of work is insane and your stuff is like really great and it's just like there in the middle of nowhere. No one would have any idea. And it's like this brilliant the, stuff. So you might just have to die. Yes, I might. But, you know, every And then your girlfriend dies. could go to your garage 
then she could just take everything out and sell it and then she'll make all the money. That'd be fine with me. And okay. that's really <laughs> what I think will eventually happen. Right. But, uh, you know, people have come in, psychotherapists, you know, have come into my garage, you know, back in the days, when, you know, burning heat. I mean, I'm telling you, you suffer as an artist in that garage in 100 degree heat with turpentine, with this, you know, failing every step of the way because it is not easy to create something great. You have a high standards as an artist. You, you, you my competition is, is not, you know, it's uh, yourself. It's not Kastabi. It's Michelangelo and myself. You know, right, and even right. I'm looking uh-huh. at the great ones and trying to emulate something like this and, and yet be original, which is really difficult because so many things have been done. Everything's been done, but not everything. Right. Because when you can take when you can take a rhythm to painting and, and a visual to music and you can blend all these different things with an understanding of form and, you know, and writing and literature and, you know, make them into one new art form. I mean, that's sort of what I've been trying to get at. It's a blend it all together. It's well, in a sense, like just the influences of each thing, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of reading, a lot of psychology, a lot of philosophy, uh, Eastern and Western, you know, my whole life I've just utilized that kind of learning since I was, very um not educated in my earlier years which you remember me i mean mm-hmm. i had maybe a you know a tenth of the brain maybe we both had a tenth of the brain that we have today no but i always remember you to be super smart well i wasn't oh. <laughs> <laughs> well educate like i mean listen iq and education is two different things you exactly. know somebody could be have a, you always had a very super high iq i have a high iq that's you're just born with but then education or whether how educated you are is a whole different eh. story when people have come into the garage the the, the few mm-hmm. people close friends of mine you know yeah. and they have said that uh, you know somehow it just blew them away the light the the certain colors you know the way that it was set up there in the, in the room they they almost had a drug experience and that's what they said to me and that's the kind of uh, thing that I'm looking for it's not it's always going to be in a gallery on the expected um setting you know so to say like okay you know, naturally I, there's going to be paintings in a white gallery in Soho and they're going to be you know and people oh, are going to walk in and have, have their glass of idea. wine wait and I have a great idea because I'm a cheesy promoter at heart so the, and this is I'm like I your like worst cheese. nightmare okay I'm like a P, I could be your PR person okay this is what you should do when your parents die, no offense, you should keep their little house because it's so like <laughs> the opposite of like you, the art that you do, right? And then you should like clean it out, make it like a little museum, then sell tickets on Craigslist and have people mm. come over. That would be, a re- and you could get a lot of press for that because it's so different and unique. And you could have people come and turn it into like a little museum. My parents collect precious moments, you know, and also like little gingerbread houses. Oh, house so for the but Christmas. keep those yeah, there. No, they're all there. You know, what I mean? keep and putting your art through it, but get rid of the yeah, furniture and yeah, create yeah. like a and charge two bucks mm. and have people come to your house as a museum. Well, honestly, that? my, that'd be my cool. in the future, you know how we all sort of throw the ball ahead and we run and catch to it, you know. So my my goal, which is was just slowly coming to fruition, and last night was a big step in that direction. Uh, we did a fundraiser last night at the at the Grand Hyatt and. Uh, for um, one of my clients who's, who's building most of the buildings around New York City and uh, these days, and he's responsible for the World Trade Center, City Field. Anyway, the his, new World Trade Center, yes, the new Trade the Center. New yeah. trade center. His brother is a major architect as well, and um, so we're going to be working together doing some lobbies and some of these big buildings. And now he's he's got a place out in upstate New York that's a farm, a hundred acres, and it's just an amazing Frank Lloyd Wright like existence under the stars and. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to someday take take my income from, and I only make income decorating these large buildings and mansions. Right, and that's what you and do now. You paint. For I do people. murals right. and I do I do uh, these sort of abstract art 
lobbies, I guess you might say, but starting to get a little more known for that instead of, uh, for instance, like when I was in France, sell, you know, selling bronze sculptures, it just didn't work, and they wanted, uh, you know, pink bulldogs, and I was but doing. How much were you selling those for? They were like fifteen, fifty thousand euros, fifty five zero. Yeah, that was a big amount of money, and I at that time, yeah, they were amazing. I start, but but I didn't sell any and let it be known, and so I started already thinking, wow, I can do what I want to do. I can make the museum upstate or wherever, maybe in the south of France with this money but two years n didn't sell one thing you know it just wasn't gonna happen it w so I when I got back you know I started to build it up back again by doing the decorative works and so now I, I'm closer to my dream which would either be in Portland <laughs> you know as you suggested <laughs> hey, we yeah. move to or you know perhaps upstate New York where I can get some acreage maybe 20 acres and and do outside sculpture large I'm talking about like 30 feet 40 feet high yeah pieces and then have a giant barn where there's paintings and you know we can even make it like Levon Helm mm -hmm. barn where he has musicians guest musicians coming you know I sort of like that in stuff the middle of nowhere in a bohemian sense you know and then maybe that will capture some of something some energy from the time from our from mm -hmm. our 2015 2016 existence where where it's back to the purity of the creationism of, of music and art. And that's what I'm about, sound and vision. So, I mean, to me, wasting my time with trying to... Promote yourself or really uh, harmony. I did a road trip with a, one of my stinky boyfriends, chapter something in my book. I forget what chapter, but he's in my book. And we went through New Mexico and we found this like little pink house. And we're like, what the fuck is that? And we went to it and it turned out it's like this artist who lives in this little pink house. And you go to the door and you knock on it. And you're allowed to go in. And like 80 dogs start barking at you and you have to get through them. But you, once you go into his house, he, he brings you in his thing is full like the floor to ceiling art like you have never seen before nice. in the middle of the desert in the middle of this like wacky guy and he just lets you walk around his house he doesn't bother you he doesn't talk to you it's just like the most amazing experience it's that's called a little pink little i forget pink what there's a name for it and if you google it and i went there and it, that's like what i picture you to be someday maybe in portland i'm trying to get him to move to portland <laughs> i've talked about portland on my podcast uh. after i got back because i was like could somebody call in from Portland? Because I don't think anyone fucks in Portland or gets laid or has sex. It's got the most unsexual vibe, but it's a fascinating place. Yeah, we talked about that. We met some people in Portland when I lived in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, and a lot of uh, people migrated at that time back in the 90s from Portland, and they were all like mushrooms. You know, they just felt like these growths. Nothing against people from Portland. I only met I like two. Portland. <laughs> it's like a really cool place. I was saying before, and I always say this about Portland, and someone told me that Austin, Texas is very much mm, like Portland. Mm. That's the other place. That's the only other place. But it's so specific that I feel like when you fly in a plane, they, they're not telling you this, but you fly through a black hole and then you go to another planet and then they tell you you're in America still or in the United States. But you're really not. I don't think you're on this planet because Portland is like another planet. But you just don't. You're not told that. But listeners, when people tell you you know <laughs> hey there's a place that you should live you should always listen because you know that's the signs of the universe and you f sort of follow them sometimes and they can lead to wonderful unexpected adventures sebastian doesn't understand that like i told him a long time ago he was always he always had these like i mean one of his first apartments in the city was like this really little tiny shitty i mean i think it was lopsided it, the whole apartment was lopsided um but you made it like every your attention to detail and because you're so artistic you the way you decorated your apartments was like ridiculous Besides the painting, even the way you place things and everything, I was mm. always blown away by all of your apartments. I'd always be like, you should be an interior designer or you should That's design right, yeah. 
people's houses like that's what you should do because mm-hmm. you're amazing at it you that's know that's how it started it started on it on, on that apartment on 59th street under the, the bridge there mm-hmm. 59th it was street lopsided bridge. it was lopsided it was a railroad apartment and uh i can remember i just remember one painting that i did now it brings it back to me used to hang in the kitchen it was a six it was the number six you turned it upside down it was the number nine you turned it the other side and it was a woman with a ponytail and you turned it the other side it was a snake and it really did in one line sort of in a japanese uh, zen painting way resembled all those things but that that's inconsequential of course but uh, we decorated that place then was next and when i was blo- mm. most blown away by it i'm at his ha- i'm right now i'm at his um girlfriend's apartment with him um up in harlem and it's like amazing because he's painted a lot and done a lot of work here is you had these gold walls that you did that it was the first time i ever saw that kind of stuff by you besides the paintings that you paint you do stuff on walls like even if it's just you paint a wall but you do it with texture and like you gold leaf it and you do shit like that. And it was like, that's what, yeah, it was like I was blown away by it. And well, I loved it so much. This is a fucked up thing. I meant to bring it up because I wanted to apologize is that you, I once, you were getting rid of, then you moved to Brooklyn. You had an amazing apartment with your friend in Brooklyn that was also decorated. And you also had a knack for like buying furniture mm-hmm. and places and putting stuff together that looked great. And I, you were giving away or you were selling couches. Mm a whole living room set that was so amazing in your apartment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to buy them. And I think mm-hmm. you sold them to me for 200 And then you brought them all the way to my mm-hmm. house. Yeah. And then you put them into my apartment. And I was like, oh, I don't like them. Take them back. Yeah, and yeah. like, I was I thinking about that the other day. I was like, because I knew I was meeting everything. I was like, that's so fucked up. Well, like, what a cunt I was no, that I made <laughs> you come all. And then you left them in my hallway because you Probably. were so good. Yeah, you left them in my hallway. Yeah, but, because I was exhausted, you know. Yeah, but I, as mean, you, but, I, I mean, I made you bring it to my house. Well, and I'm first like, all, oh, you I live don't in want Midtown. You lived in Midtown. So I had a 69 Ford Econoline van, yeah. all shagged out, beautiful. And, uh, you know, living in Williamsburg back in the days in the 90s. Uh, you know. So, anyway, we had the couch. I think uh, we were moving somewhere else. So, I and took I was the couch. You for them. Yeah, yeah. Don't know where we worked out, but I had, you know, I busted them bucks, down I the stairs. You know, it was, a, it was a, one of those old heavy couches, you know, with a bed in them. No shit. And then I brought No, there was down no to, bed in it. It I wasn't that. It was more was. Uh, classic looking than that. Perhaps. It was a very beautiful. Oh, okay. So I brought him in the van, had to deal with all the parking and all that stuff in front of your place. Which brought it all the way up to brought my house. all the way up through the elevator. Barely like, fit in the elevator. Like just me. N- just one person. Brought it in there. You weren't even home, I don't think, at the time. And then I left it there. You gave me the key, I believe. And then uh-huh. then you texted. No, you couldn't have texted me. I didn't have a phone. You probably just left a message on my answering machine and said, I don't want them. I don't want these. I want Take my them body back. Yeah. But then I, I never did. Of course, I just left them there. No, no, no. You came back. You I took did. it out. But you must have not been able to get it back in. So you left it in my hallway. Okay. But you gave me my money. But I think like whatever happened th- then i don't even know but the thing about me that i know now is that i'm not good with change like you can't even change my computer colors mm. do you know what i mean like sure. uh, without me freaking out and not mm. like control it. freak i don't know what it is but eventually i get used to it i didn't realize that i would have loved those couches if you just let me sit with them for two days do you i know, know I mean? many people like that there's one sitting <laughs> next to so me bad. oh your girl's like that <laughs> no, too no. well she. She is someone who you so you can buy her a beautiful shirt. You could buy her a beautiful, sh- and you know at first no, I don't want it. And then you know a little bit later, next morning usually try it on, just see if you think. Yeah, mm, that's totally the way. I, yeah, yeah. And then so she might some, love it. Then it she takes winds a little doing it. sometimes, you know. Yeah, I won't like it at first, but then I I wind up like I can't see my I don't like to see something different. It's always looks wrong to me. And then eventually I like it. And so I just didn't know that about myself at that time. I probably would have loved those couches because they were amazing couches. You were giving me a great deal. And I think back to myself and I'm horrified by the fact that I would make you give me my money back 
Okay, which you, you did. And then make you take the shit out. Like, mm. how rude. You should have told mm. me to go after myself. I probably did. But, you know, I, I when know you have a child, did. when somebody has a newborn baby, and will that be tough to sort of see, uh, you know, something new, something brand new in the world? And, and Oh, you, my God. You're talking about my baby? No, you're not really. No, I wasn't really talking about you. I was just saying, oh. like, you know, when a, when a mother has a, has a child, and there it is right out of you, uh, is it hard to accept, I wonder? Like, that No, newness. that's a totally different thing. Listen, you're comparing an inanimate object like a couch yes. to a baby. I am. Yeah, well, that's because Matt has mommy issues. <laughs> he was adopted okay. and he thinks his mother looks at him as an evil spawn seed that she Wait. got from the hospital. Oh, sure. So now you think everyone thinks that? No, I mean, no, that's I can only judge by my own experiences, you know, can't you? Your mouth out. Yeah, but you have, but first of all, I think the way you look at your childhood and your mom, like your mom, you know, you say is evil, quote unquote. No, no. Okay, whatever you say about your mom, no one knows who you are. Be honest, okay? You you say that you had issues and you really believe this is a woman that had five miscarriages or whatever and had to eventually adopt a baby. And when she got you, you believe that she got you and decided that you were evil and treated you accordingly for the rest of your life and was terrible to you. Well, right? sometimes I just don't know. I just wonder if uh, she might be thinking... Uh, you know, what if, you know, what if my other children had survived? Maybe I wouldn't be stuck with this, you know, totally different person, not my DNA, not my blood. That is a opposite, you know, her way of life, a Christian. Yeah, but just so you know, my mother, okay, my father's a priest, a reverend, whatever mm. you want to call him, mm-hmm. a religious man, mm-hmm. okay? And my mother is the type of woman that would marry a religious man. And mm. I have nothing like that okay mm-hmm. no. i couldn't have been more opposite my mother i'm a completely out of the box and so and i was their genetics it has nothing to do with genetic just because someone's genetically your child is you could be complete opposite okay i'll as take well. your word for it because i remember there was a certain instance where i was in uh, you know a college in new york city in a photography class and i needed a project oh. so i asked <laughs> Kath, okay that's uh, fine yes yeah. of course no so i said uh, you know hey well why don't we do it in your dad's church you know and, and his she, you want to take pictures of me uh, topless it, in yeah. my dad's well, church. it wasn't just about the toplessness of it. It was sort of a right. juxtaposition between... I can remember the photograph very well. It was a juxtaposition mm-hmm. between the stained glass window that had all these sort of worshiping saints, you know, and they were all looking up to God and the light shining through and uh, had Kathy wear the, um, uh, the altar boy's yeah. robe with, uh, with a um, crucifix, you know, Rosary, rosary beads. beads around her neck and you know it was sort of a silhouette and it was just side boob it wasn't even front boob it was artistic it wasn't like a dirty picture really came out nice and i got an a in the project you no know, you won yeah won something i won some cash or something <laughs> no yeah it was a contest because yeah, you yeah, went yeah. around saying i took naked pictures of the priest's daughter in the priest church yeah, it, was it was pretty, very pretty, you know it had con- yeah. it was art very like controversial yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Listen, and my dad, my church was behind my house when I was growing up. Yes. So, you know, to me, it wasn't a church. It was like some people had a pool. I had a church. So that was my place where I would go with friends. And I mean, this is so terrible to say, but we would literally smoke weed yeah, in yeah. the basement. We would steal liquor. I would bring boyfriends in there to fool around. and <laughs> I took On the <laughs> altar? It's so terrible. I don't think I ever did it on the altar. I was a little mm-hmm. superstitious, but I would do different things in that um, place. So yeah, and my so that just shows you that you it, genetics has nothing to do with being similar. I mean, I think I genetics has to do with having certain personality traits like the other person, but you could be completely opposite your child, whether your genetics or not. You weren't opposite your mom and dad because you weren't their genetics. Your mom didn't hate you because of that. Not in the beginning. I'm not saying my mother really hate. Maybe I said hate, but that was a strong word. I don't really mean that. I mean, she has a great deal of love and protection for me, of course, but... Uh, She's critical, you said? 
Oh, yeah, very critical of everything. I can't just say she's just critical of me. Everything in her vision she criticizes, you know. Right. I, I sound a little bitter. I don't mean to come off that way. But uh, I think when when anyone reaches a certain age, they no longer become their mother's child, you know. They just sort of think on their own and do things on their own, and sometimes mothers resent that, perhaps, and uh, and that's where the uh, she just might separation resent. becomes. It's like another umbilical cord being cut, you know. Uh -huh. And just, I might say, just... You keep bringing it up like, you know, still lives as parents, still lives as parents. And you did at least say that I lived in other countries most of my life. So I'm back at my parents' house for the last five years mm -hmm. um, because basically my parents are sick and elderly. Mm -hmm. And being an adopted child, uh, you know, I'm an on only child, I can't abandon them. I feel like they took me from... The, the abyss basically I hadn't I mean I don't remember it of course but I, I could have ended up in a garbage can for yeah. all I know and my mother did take me from that despite the fact that yes yeah, she did have a few miscarriages and I think psychologically she needed to have a child she needed somebody and or she wanted to do you think it need maybe no, she wanted to well need and want are very similar things not you know? really okay that's debatable uh, we could let's debate that. I mean, what do you mean need and want are similar? They're desire. Very well, different. well, there's only two two emotions. They say is desire and fear. It's mm -hmm. either you want you want something or you don't or you can't have the courage to get it. Right, but sometimes what you need and what you want can be completely two separate things. Maybe. What do you think? You know, listeners? people <laughs> do have b b babies because they need to have a baby. No, that most of the time they do it because they want to. It's a desire, a want. Not a need. A need is, I think, is very different. I think it's semantics, just a word that means the same thing. But, you know, that's just my quick opinion. I have to uh -huh. really, I'd really have well, to Well, right. If you're talking about just the sort of feeling of desire, then that to me, I, I say desire is a want. But maybe you think desire is a need if you're talking semantics. But maybe if you're just talking about desire, then you say your mom desired a baby. Because she needed it. <laughs> See, that's not so bad. You're, then you're using different words. So you are saying need in a, in a different way than desire or want. Maybe. Yeah, 100%. You're a quick thinker. Yeah, it's not so stupid. You can't mm. back me in a corner. So you're, you believe your mother needed a baby, but maybe not wanted it, and that's why she was a little resentful. No, I would say I believe she wanted and needed it. You okay. Know, I, mm -hmm. I, I, ju I don't think I can't think back and see my mother's life without a child, even though it was me. So that's like a subjective thing. I, uh, I think she would have been ev a wreck without you know, a child. her life wouldn't be fully formed. Yeah. She was a born mother. She, in fact, she only is happy when she's caring for someone who needs help. You know, she's a mm -hmm. caregiver. She's a nurturer. Uh, and she, you know, one after the other, you know, her sister died and she took care of her, her mother before that, my father now very ill, you know, so it's like she's there and uh, in her nervous state constantly and that's where she's most comfortable. That's, you know, everyone has their calling in life and it's just you can't really choose your destiny all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's put on you and that's been her, her destiny and she embraced that and she's a very strong woman and she has God, you know, and God is Right, her. but you started off the cover. It was something mm -hmm. about, you said mm -hmm. something weird about having a child. Like we were talking about couches mm -hmm. and you were like, <laughs> would somebody have a baby and then just look at it and say, right, like, would right. you really feel that way? But of course not. No, well, you had said something like, uh, you know. Not good you, with change. Not good with change. You can't change a computer screen and anything new. You no, say you sort I'm of. I'm not good with, no, I'm not, I'm very good with right change. I'm not good with visual change. Mm. It, I'm very visual, so mm -hmm. I see things a lot. Like I could tell things that are off balance. So if something changes in my vision, it could be 
distracting to me because I, I am very visual. Right. Like I've done IQ tests for a visual thing. Right. I'm like a visual genius. Uh-huh. So I could, that could fuck me up. Just what I see, not how I, I'm not I feeling see. wise. It's not well, feeling wise change. Okay, where, where there's not, where there's just a, um, a hospital bed, you close your eyes and then you open your eyes and there's an infant there, you know, suddenly appearing. And like, I just wondered if that maybe change, you know, cause you know, your whole life is changed instantly. I mean, as yeah, a mother, that's I, great. Yeah. That, that kind of change is exciting to me. I'm always but what changing if it isn't? my what life. If it, isn't? it can't not be exciting. How do you know? Of, what if it's something well, because, that you didn't expect it to be? No, because I, I know myself. I know what drives myself. I like to do things that are hard. I don't know why. I mean, like, I like literally I go to the gym, I torture myself and then I walk out and I'm like, did we even, I'll say to my friend, like, did we even do anything? And they'll be like, Kathy, what are you kidding? Like, I like torture. I like doing things that are hard. I like to take the heart. Like I like a challenge. I like to be really busy. Like those are the things that I think having a child will be. And then, you know, what's going to be the icing on that cake is like, mm-hmm. there's all this other like amazing stuff. I think of like the hardest thing. And that's what I'm sort of driven for because mm-hmm. I sort of dig that kind of a challenge. That's my personality type. I don't know anybody, anybody that has a baby that doesn't have like amazing lo- like love for it. Like, you know, so I, I knew I, a couple of women that didn't and they and, you know, but it changed. I must say, like at first, you know, they were tortured by their children and they said, you know, they're like two devils, you know, and I can't live with these kids. I'm going to go crazy. You know, and I said, just remember, you're the mother of the devil. You know, you should be the ruler. You shouldn't be ruled by these infants, you know, telling you what to do, you know. But yeah. then as time went by and through a divorce, you know, now she lives for the children and they're her life, you know. So it's like it just changes. It's yeah, I don't worry of it. I because I tend to think of things more I see all the the hard things about things like even when like I quit drinking or quit smoking I was like when I quit smoking the first thing I did I said okay the hardest thing for quitting smoking is going to be drinking and not smoking so what am I going to do I'm going to drink the next day and get drunk and not smoke you understand like I'll always think about the hardest thing and tackle that first so then everything gets easier that's my nature so my whole thing with the baby is like I think of all the hard stuff I'm going to have to deal with and I'm already on board I'm not even thinking of the great stuff that'll be more of the surprise I'm not the unrealistic person that's thinking of all the great things and I'm going to be fucking shocked by this stuff I'm more the opposite I see more the challenges and I see the hard stuff and I try to think to myself, can I do the hardest thing, which is going to be waking up all the time and all that stuff. And if I want to sign up for that, then I sign up. Do you understand? Yeah. And then I do that. And that's how I tackle stuff. And then I think I'm always surprised because I am not thinking of the good stuff. I'm not in fantasy land that way. Do you understand? Mm, yeah, if anything, I'm a little bit more negative. I think more of the hard shit. It's funny. I apply things sometimes because I'm not a father and, uh, you know, I apply things to art all the time. So I, what you say reminds me of, of, of a thing that I follow. And it's sort of like, you know, when you're doing a painting, you look at the worst part of the painting, but then you try to make it the best part. Or if you right. record a record, you know, I'm on my ninth record actually. And, uh, you know, you look at a song, 10th song on the record is the worst one. You just fix it up somehow and you make it the best song on the record. And suddenly the, it pieces together as something real. And you can apply that to relationships. You can apply that to anything. Yeah. I re- like I said, I, do, I, I see the way I work out or the way I live my life in all different aspects. I tend to go after the hardest thing because I like to be challenged. Do you, you know what I'm saying? I like to walk up a higher hill. I don't want to walk flat. Like I like to be challenged. It keeps me interested. I get bored very easily. It's just the way that I roll. So I like, and I like to be tortured. There's something I think, I believe this is what it is because I'm very disciplined and I could do hard things really easily because my father was very abusive growing up. And I find that my friends that had parents that were very sort of abusive could deal with harder things better and that they like it because maybe it's like a way of survival when you're younger. I don't know. 
but I tend to be attracted to that stuff. Everything I do, I take the harder route and I'm, I'm fine for it. You know what I mean? That's just like my life. Even having a baby has been one of the hardest things. Most people just like, you know, fuck once and have a baby, you know, not me. <laughs> it's taken me three years. I've gone through so much. It's been one of the most difficult things, but you know what? When one day when I'm on my deathbed and I look back, would I have changed my life in any way? No, it's been, it's more of an adventure. The stuff that I go through always changes me. It's always fascinating and it's always a challenge, but I enjoy the journey. You know, I, it's not like always you get to the end goal and then what do you have? You know, people, always uh, my journey fail. has always been amazing. People always fail. And failure know, is like, let me tell yeah, you, you have I've to been, fail a thousand times. Failure has been my, I told my friend the other day, cause I was always very commitment phobic. And I was always had a massive fear of um, relationships or being trapped. I always saw it as like this really horrible thing. And it wasn't until I sort of committed to wanting to have a baby and until I failed miserably at it over and over and over and over and over and over again that it really removed my fear of commitment. Do you understand? Because really what I think a fear of commitment is is a fear of failure. And the only way to get over your fear of failure is to fucking fail and just keep failing and to fail at something that you want so bad. Like this wasn't something like, oh, you know, you fail at something little and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, who gives a shit? And you could laugh it off. This was a game changer. Every time I tried to have a baby, this was either I have a baby or I don't. And Mm -hmm. it's what I really wanted. And it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it kept happening to me. And it made me a stronger person. And it made me less afraid of committing to things. And it never did it make me change my mind about having a baby. It only made me have more conviction. It made me realize how much I wanted it. And now I realize that that's how I have to be with everything. Like you could fail and you know what? You move on and you get over it and you go again. But it, it's, it was great for it's me. A physical, I think failure it's a was an amazing failure. thing for me. It's a, um, I mean, if you want to call it a failure, it's a physical failure, not a mental failure. But it was, but it, you feel it on every yeah. level. If you could wish to have a child, then you you would have one, but it's, it's, it's something to do with biology. That's not entirely your fault. I mean, I, no, I tried to have it. Listen, if you really think about it logically, okay. And mm-hmm. you just take all emotion out. It's like, I was too old to be successful at having a baby. It would take me a really long time. It mm-hmm. wasn't like I was 25 and trying to have a baby. I wasn't having it. I was in my forties. It takes a long time. But, you know, I'm a woman, so I can't just think logically. My emotions were attached to this. It was something that I wanted. So so everything else came into play. So when I failed, I didn't just fail on a physical level. Plus, I was having a baby with somebody else. So I'm a part of a team. As a woman, when you're trying to have a baby with a man and you you don't get pregnant, you take that on. You feel bad, not just for yourself. You feel like you let your partner down. You know what I mean? Because I was doing everything. So it was failure on every level. But like I said, I believe in the journey. I'm glad when I went through, I'll be a better mom because I went and went through. And it taught me so much. So it was like a wonderful experience in a weird way. You touched on something, you know, failing. I don't mind myself. I don't mind failure from on my own level. It's letting other people down that really, you know, affects me the most, you know? Uh Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, that's why it's like good you do things on your own <laughs> as much as you can. <laughs> well, own. there's another side of the coin. At the same time, other people can fail you. <laughs> you know, you can do, you could build up a whole big project and trust a producer and trust a gallery owner, you know, and all of a sudden they let you down and that hurts just as much because, you know, you realize that you you got to do everything on your own. You know, if you, what's the old phrase? You know, you want something done right, do it yourself. Yeah, and it's true. But sometimes, though, the weird thing is, is for the baby thing, I had to actually take myself out of the equation. I had to like, you know, because I wasn't getting pregnant physically on my own. I had to get a surrogate. And so that was also another part of the process where I had to let go of actually doing it myself trust and hand over all of the jobs that were my jobs to other people and trust that they're going to do it for me and help me and be a part of a team. And I think that that, um, 
has been important for me with my fear of commitment because I think, you know, being in a relationship is about giving up that trust to other people and expecting them or trusting them to pick up that slack or do what they need to do and you be okay with it. So me being a part of a team and having other people help me has been good because I think you have to have that balance. It can't just be like, oh, I could only be by myself and do things on my own because I think it's great to have other people to rely on and help you. It's the greatest to do compliment things. in the world to be trusted by someone. You yeah. Know, to know that you somebody has your back and you have their back, and it's uh, it's the greatest thing. They entrust everything. With, with, you know, once you let somebody down, sometimes I think Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, the German philosopher, might have said it. You know, I'm not upset that you lied to me. It's just that I, I you know, I could never trust you again. You know, because right. even if you do it once, you, that's a character trait and a character and then you failure, know. and then you know what you're dealing with. You know? Well, the weird thing I told my surrogate recently, because when I was having the baby with the guy friend of mine, I, I remember the last time we had the IVF together, I was like devastated because I felt like he really didn't want it as much as I did, and I felt like I here I am putting a hundred and fifty percent into this, and he's putting in even if it's nine. 99% if it's not 100% how are we going to make this happen like I needed him on, on board as much as I did because I was really trying for a fucking miracle and I remember feeling exhausted because I couldn't put in his part do you understand mm -hmm. yeah. like I couldn't do it and I knew he wasn't really there like I was now fast forward to I have the surrogate having the baby for me and this girl it's not only her it's all of her friends it's her family I have like this whole team of women I'm always like it takes a village you know sort of rooting for me and being there for me and it's such a different experience and it's like more it's better than when I was doing it with my guy because I feel like she's really on board she wants it as much as I do plus she has friends helping her and I think that that's important when you're when you're working towards something and isn't know? that really the lesson we all learn in life to just keep going no matter how many times you get knocked down you know that was always meant to be i know it sounds cliche but all no, those true. knockdowns and all those failures are what made you get to where you are today and the yes. end result what i was speaking of before about you know the final masterpiece that that really rings true you know just i'm not bringing it back to me necessarily but you know when i die uh, you know a penniless like uh, you know starving artist whatever if that's the case you know someday someone will walk into the garage and there you'll see my we soul away there you'll the see chills. my spirit and then you know god knows what'll happen after that but right. uh, but but i never gave up and i never will i just tweeted the other day i saw a great quote and it said i forget who it was oh confucius it says it doesn't matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop slow and steady wins the race yes i yeah. love that and that's yeah. true you know i used to when i was really younger and i think a lot of spiritual people use their spirituality as a way to sort of quit things and sort of be the opposite of what we're discussing because when i was young i was very spiritual and i would just be like oh if it's meant to be it'll happen and if not and if something happens that isn't right then it means it's not supposed to be you know and I've been talking to a lot of my younger girlfriends and telling them about like freezing their eggs because I really never realized how hard it is like you don't have an idea as a woman if you want to put off having kids later in life like you know what kind of time you'll be and so I've been trying to get my younger girlfriends that maybe aren't thinking that they want babies to freeze their eggs just in case they change their mind so they don't have to go through what I go through and this is just a little story about what we're talking about and so I meet up with my old roommate and she's about to turn 40 and this bitch is so commitment phobic and psychotic she's not getting a boyfriend anytime soon but I think like if she froze her eggs now if she got a boyfriend when she's 46 or whenever if she had 40 year old eggs that would help the situation so I was trying to talk her into if you want a baby just do it and she said okay she's gonna do it 
She goes home to LA. She sets up the appointment and I email her like, did you, did you do it? Did you go through? How many? And she said, oh no, I, I decided not to. Like I, you know, the day before I was supposed to go in and start my cycle, this thing happened and it was like really weird. And I felt like it was a sign. And then I called the doctor's office and they said, the girl agreed with me. And I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Do you know what I mean? To think that there's some sign that comes in and says, oh, you shouldn't do this. And that's where it's like, I think the opposite. Now you see something and it is a roadblock. You're supposed to go over it. Do you understand? But people sometimes think the opposite, like, oh, that happened. She thought it happened. So it wasn't meant to be. So she's not supposed to do anything. It's like, no, sometimes you're tested in life to say like, is this really what you want? If it's really what you want, you'll fucking move mountains for it. Do you know what I mean? You'll fail 15 times and do all this stuff. I was a petrified. I didn't take an antibiotic my whole life. I shot myself up with thousands of needles for my IVF. I did so much stuff that was my biggest fear, you know, to have my baby. And that's what I needed to prove to whoever or whatever in my life to get what I want. And that's when you know you really want something. If you're going to say I'm going to do something and one problem is going to happen and you're going to be like, oh, it's meant to be. It's not meant to be. That's a bullshit excuse. That's fear. So many people I met along the way have always said, you know, well, you know, it's amazing. You can paint this way. And I said, well, you can too. It's pretty easy. All you have to do is sort of be obsessed by it. You know, no, I could never do that. I can never do. And just, uh, you know, exercising those words, I could never do that is a pretty much nail in the coffin. And you're not going to ever do it if you convince yourself through your mind that you can never do it. But the truth is anybody can do anything. Right. But I do believe, though, that your talent, like I'm looking at your pound. No, you're not just upset. You have a God given talent and everybody. Everybody's God-given talents are different. Mm. You know, your girl sitting here has her God-given talent. My mm. God-given talent mm. is my thing. So yes. it's not painting, but you, whatever it is to me that you love to do, that you do naturally, that then that's like your thing. But that's your talent. You, not everyone could be a painter like you. Maybe though. I don't know. No, you know, it's not please. meant to be kind of thing that you just said. No, the world ties needs, into that. I think people are born with all different kinds of things. The world needs all kinds of well, people. If you wanted to be. A painter, you could be a painter. If you don't, not interested, not obsessed, not intrigued by it, then you won't be because right, exactly. anything. Totally. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. all I mean. I right. mean, you know, I when I was fourteen years old, I had a guitar. Well, actually, when I was five years old, my cousin gave me his guitar. Uh, you know, I brought it home. I, my mother made me lend it <laughs> back to my mother. Again, made me lend it to a neighbor who broke it. You know, right. and that's another story. I actually broke something over his head, and that was a strange. <laughs> yeah, like, but uh, but I'm not a violent person. But that happened when I was very young because that was the way I acted out. But uh, I didn't pick up another guitar until I was maybe 17 years old, and uh, you know, I couldn't play two chords together. And my goal was someday. I don't care if I'm 50 years old at the time, and I was 40. You know, someday I'd like to string two chords together and be able to sing just a line you know just something but I was not talented in it but you know and all of a sudden nine records later I feel I couldn't put the guitar down over the years there it was a period between like 25 and 35 where I just couldn't put the guitar down you know you, you go to the bathroom you're taking a piss and there's your guitar strapped around your back right you know that kind of thing but that's, and what that's you obsession. wanted to do right that's what you maybe wanted to do I wanted to and maybe it was another force driving me towards it because there's also another way of thinking that there's some kind of force out there that's really pushing you towards these things and you're you're not really pushing the buttons Sometimes I feel like there is a force that's making me do these things that I'm not sure I want to because just want to say it's very frustrating. Uh, You know, being an artist is very frustrating, especially if you are looking for accolades and looking for a pat on the back and, oh, you're great, you know. But you're not. So what's frustrating to you right now as an artist, you're making enough money to survive. You're doing it the way you want to whenever you fucking want to. 
you know, so you're like, how, where's your frustration lie? You shouldn't have any. My really. frustration honestly lies in my, you said it before, like being your own worst critic, you know, because mm -hmm. I, if I may say, you know, my taste has gotten better over the years, right? So I'm looking at what I did in the past and, and that's another thing. What you did in the past could be the best stuff that you've ever done. You don't necessarily get better as you get older. You hope to, don't you? You, you, you think you do and you hope to, but then you, you don't want to max out at when you're 25. Mm -hmm. And you think you're going towards something, but then sometimes you go back to the purity of of what you the initial way you know your first impression let's say you know yeah, many times you grab a guitar and you start to sing something and melody over it and it doesn't make any sense and then it crafts itself into this like wonderful concerto or something and you're like wow this is really big and really great but then you go back to the original recording and it had this like just innocent purity to it where you know uh, for instance Joni Mitchell's first album you know which uh, David Crosby produced he, he had uh -huh. said one of the greatest things he ever did was just leave it alone he didn't add strings he didn't add you know extra pianos but uh, you know that's, that's what I'm trying to say is like you never really know where you're at you're sort of a derelict in outer space like we all are on a planet right but I space. think as long as you're growing and evolving and changing and moving forward as a person your work will always reflect that and that's the kind of person that you are Perhaps. if you're if you're if you maxed out at 25 and you're 45 and your your best work was then then you're just like you haven't moved forward yourself like you just haven't evolved just because there, Dylan's to me there's no album. way not to sort of your stuff has to evolve with you you. Yes, yes, shadows in the night, you know, and it's a, and what you said is true in the sense of this way because, you know, he had all his earliest work in the 60s and 70s, you know, and great records like Desire and whatnot, but he comes up with this album, Shadows in the Night, and I think it's his best work ever. He's really hit it this time. In the last few years, I think he's finally found his voice, and it is that wise old man's voice that, you know, wants to talk about everything because he has all the experiences of freedom of the 60s, of, mm -hmm. you know, a growing older relationship, you know, he, all the criticisms that he's gotten which I always find interesting about Dylan because he's hailed as one of the greatest minds in the world ever and yet when you listen to his songs he's really bitching all the time oh. about like why does everybody bust my balls basically right you know? right and you leave me alone you know uh -huh. and it's and I would love to get into the mind of his you know we're actually my girl and I are going to see him on uh, April 10th you know at the Borgata and I've always said I want to see Dylan before he dies you know and this is our chance so I'm right. looking forward to this but I am more attract most attractive people whether they're celebrities or whatever the people that like sort of grow and evolve and change but i think a lot of other people in the general society don't like that sometimes when people we were talking about chris cornell mm. he's a perfect example mm. he's the guy that was in Soundgarden, and then he does like this mm. one album it's mm -hmm. like the last album that was like sort of pop music or dance music it was fucking great but people couldn't handle it and they put him down so much and mm -hmm. it's just like just because you have him in a box in yes. your mind and you think he's one way does not mean he can't be it's like angelina jolie like she can't be a heroin addict and then later a mom like to me it's more natural to change who you are and to change what you're into than to stay the same. Yet people don't want people to change. Okay, and this this taps into what I really want to say in this interview. And this, you know, because I, I don't and know. We're if ending I was it being, anyway in five yeah, minutes. I so it's perfect. I, yes, we'll come yes, full yes. circle. Well, I don't know Chris Cornell. I really respect him. I love his music. And, um, but, uh, you know, having an artist like myself who lives his entire life creating these thousands works of art with no judgment with no criticism with no uh record company saying we need this next year the kids are going to love it you know whatever creates a total different kind of freedom 
where no to work in anonymity and where no one cares what you do next. You're not in that box. It's the, you're not in that box, and it's true freedom, true artistic expression. So anything happens. It's almost like you're you're tapping into the music from the spheres, which I'm not sure a famous person can do mm-hmm. because I think they got too many voices in their head. I'm not saying everyone, and like I said, I respect Chris Cornell, and I don't think he's even like that at all. But there, you can just tell there's just too many people out there that are thinking too much about what other people think before they create. <laughs> Right, but the, the, work. the ones that you know the ones that do that and have that form they're the ones that last and the ones that we all know and the ones that are not, not one hit wonders and the one you know what I mean those are the yes. people that the, that's the good shit rises to the top they say the that cream rises to the top yeah that always happens and those are the ones that do that and they, they don't live in the box so people want to keep them in there and it's like ridiculous you know so um, but th- that's why I think the evolution is important and you grow and you change and you say like, Oh, Bob Dylan found his voice. I'm like a big Jane Fonda fan and I love to follow her and she's been many different people. And like, she says like, she finally is like a real person at like 70 or whatever it is. And she's like a me every time I listen to her, everything she says is so amazing. And I think that just happens with age. And as long as you're going with it, how could your art or whatever you're creating or whatever you do not change? Cause you're changing as well. Right. But yet you've always been there. I feel like it, you, you go with it your whole life and you look back on your life and you can say you know I've always been there I've always really been there it's yeah, just so been like a you different say, it's finding variation. your voice it's finding who you are because uh, through our whole your voice life, is I think, a child's voice sometimes and sometimes it's a wise voice you know and, and we give that up because voice. of the bullshit that happens to us when we're younger it's pushed down it's you know it's took me a long time to be confident enough to be myself like to me my god-given talent is to talk to people mm, no to help shit. people with their problems and people have put that down my whole life and been irritated by it because I funneled it in the wrong way you know what I mean try and so that's why I do this podcast or do things that I or even in the jobs that I've done to try and help people where I could do my god-given talent is what it is and doing that's a great use it for the right thing it's an excellent podcast really <laughs> you're born for this well you know what I'm saying it's just you have to figure out what that is but sometimes it takes a long time I mean it took me a long time to have the courage to, to really get that that's a good thing in me because I thought it was a bad thing and you have to figure it out but anyway we should end this call because it's already 52 minutes I don't like my podcast to be longer than an hour very good I don't know what this is about we were going to talk about how terrible I was as a I person think we talked younger, about we enough. don't need it it's not yeah no that so but I think it was better we talked more about like artistic people I wish I could promote your stuff but I can't no when he's dead okay mm. I don't know when he's going to die. Then I can but reveal my real soon, name. Yeah, if it's anytime soon, I will out him and tell you where to go to buy. I'm going to set up that museum in his house. I'm going to do it up with his mom. And if she's still alive, we'll hook it up. Well, you can and commit suicide in Portland, so you never know. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll hook up his stuff so you can see because his stuff is like fucking amazing. Um, but you don't want it. So, Sebastian, thanks for being on my show. Thank you for having me, Kath. Okay, bye. Bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.